0: On July 8th, 1741, Jonathan Edwards, preaching to his small congregation in Enfield, Connecticut, delivers a sermon that he's titled, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. The reaction that he receives from that small group of believers comes to him in a very unexpected way. One of the persons there that morning writes an account, and he says this, The effect of the sermon was as if some supernatural apparition had frightened the people beyond control. They were convulsed in tears of agony and distress, and amid their tears and outcries, the preacher pauses, bidding them to be quiet in order that he may be heard. Hi, my name is Steve Urspringer. You're listening to Worshiping God God's Way, and we're looking at Leviticus 9. It's a story about worship, and I want to read it to you quickly. It says Then Aaron raised his hands towards the people, and he blessed them. He sacrificed the offering for sin, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering. Then he came down from the altar. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people again. Then the Lord's glory appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat at, on, laid on the altar. When all the people saw this, they shouted, they bowed with their faces touching the ground. This story, Leviticus 9, is a little bit similar To what happened in 1741 when Jonathan Edwards presented his sermon. What we find here is this scripture in Leviticus 9 can be broken up into two pieces. You first find Moses and Aaron coming out and they put their hands up and they pray over the people. Then Aaron goes up to the platform and he offers three offerings. It's almost like he blessed the people, prayed over them. He went up, and then he was going to give you a three-point sermon. But these sermons were really designed and written into the types of offerings that he was going to be presenting on their behalf. It was a sin offering, a burnt offering. It was a fellowship offering. They came back down, and then they looked at the people, and what they normally did, which was part of their traditional service that they were having, they would both, Aaron and Moses, they would go in, to the Holy of Holies before the Ark of the Covenant. When they did that, the people who were outside in the courts and waiting, they were concerned every time that a priest went into the presence of God because they had seen God's power. They had seen God's reaction to sin. On the priest's robes, they would tie bells. They would also tie a rope around their waists. And when they went in, the rope would stretch out and past and into the group. And when they, if they heard the ringing of the bells, they would consider the thought that it's possible that God had killed them for coming into his presence without confessing their sin. And they would drag the priest out by pulling on the rope. So when they saw them walking into that, that holy place their existence was challenged they were concerned if they lose their priests they won't have direction they won't have the word of the lord they'll lose their security and they'll scatter probably they would have gone back to egypt what happens is interesting because aaron and moses they come back out they survive the holy presence of god and they raise their hands and they pray another blessing over the people it's like a benediction so this section of this verse in Leviticus 9, it's really an outline of a traditional setting, a service. Many services that we have today have the same outline. Pastors come out and they say they say hello. They pray. They open up. They ask God to bless you. They give you a three-point sermon or so. They talk about different offerings and fellowships and they give you the information they have they take a few minutes and they go into a holy place where they bow their heads and they begin to pray and they wait in the Lord's presence and at that point they have finished they finish with their prayer they come back and they bless you again and they bless all that are in the building and they say now let's be released let's go home Now, I got to say this, it's important because that's just the first section of what we read in Leviticus 9. It's just the first part. The people that were standing outside Moses' tabernacle, that tent, in front of the platform where they offered sacrifices, they're standing there watching. They're standing there listening. They don't do anything. They don't participate. They're just watching the two priests prepare and perform all the things that God has told them to do. But they stand there until the whole thing is complete. And I can imagine in my mind, when I think about it, that I would be sitting there going, okay, I've seen this before. We've done this so many times. I know what they're going to do next. I know it's going to happen. I can hardly wait till it's over so I can go home and take care of my sheep or I can go home and take care of my fields, or I can sit with my family. Some of those people probably thought that. I've sat in churches and today and, and comparing the two centuries, i thought, sat down and thought, man, I can hardly wait for this to be over. And a lot of people think that. They, they know the process. They know the organization of church. They'll wait for it to get done. And then they say, oh, great, I've heard this. I've seen this so many times. It's good to be here. But now I want to go home and relax. I want to go put my kids down for a nap and turn on the TV. Some people say, I just want to go out to lunch with my friends. And they feel good about having been at church. They feel good about having going out with their friends or taking that Sunday afternoon off. It's supposed to be a day of rest. So they're looking forward to that. The second part of this scripture is very important. It says this, and when they came out, they blessed the people. And that was the end of that service. But then there's a word, and the word is then. Then. It's like, okay, okay, something else is coming. What do you mean then? All of a sudden, then, the Lord's glory appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering. When they weren't expecting it, when they thought the service was over, for whatever reason... God's glory comes out from the Holy of Holies like a winding river of fire. It finds, it turns, it twists. It probably goes around Aaron and Moses. They probably fell to the ground and it consumes the offering. And it says the people saw this taking place right before them. Moses and Aaron had no idea that it was coming They hadn't prayed, oh, God, bring revival. They didn't even know what revival was, but they were just part of the group. And when the presence of God comes at that moment, it says that the people looked and they said to themselves, oh, my gosh, they shouted, and they could have shouted anything, Lord, help us, what's going on? Who is that? Help us, Moses, help us, Aaron. They could have shouted anything that came to their mind, but they weren't excited. They were fearful. The presence of God brought fear because they'd never seen it, and Bible talks about being fearful. That a man needs to fear the lord and that's what happened on this day but the second thing that happens is that the people fall down before god their faces on the ground and they begin to worship moses and aaron included what happened with jonathan edwards with that small church is that he was delivering a word that the lord had given him it was powerful and the presence of god the holy spirit came and landed and began to minister to the people in that church but Jonathan Edwards did not recognize it they began to cry they began to scream they began to say oh God help us they're receiving the word of the Lord the glory of the Lord has come to them Jonathan Edwards sees that as a disruption and he tells them hey you guys got to stop this I'm not finished talking yet Now, I can't imagine Moses or Aaron saying, hey, wait a minute, God, stop moving like this. We're not done yet. We have one more prayer to pray before we can send them home. This story can be looked at in a lot of different ways. A lot of people think it's just a story foretold by, for some Reason passed from generation to generation that it doesn't really have any real meaning. It's not even real. But other people say, no, this was God's glory coming to Israel. And he had a purpose behind that. And I believe that's the case. Just like the same thing that happened with Jonathan Edwards. The Holy Spirit was moving, and there was a reason for that. It brings change in people's lives. And the goal of those changes, the goal for the Holy Spirit, and when he comes to people like the power and the glory of God, it's to bring people to a place of worshiping him. Now, I've asked myself a question before on this, and I, I just want to be honest and share with you. I said, you know, what would I have done if I was up preaching And I had prepared a really great word. And I would finished the sermon. I did a great job. It was like I thought to myself, this is the best thing I've ever said. This is the best sermon I've ever preached. The most powerful. Man, I delivered it great. I didn't mess up. But then suddenly out of nowhere, without any design, there is an unplanned, unexpected change in the middle of the service. Something happens that disrupts. The, the program that I've prepared, the slides and the music and all the songs, what's coming next, how I'm going to close this meeting. My guitarist goes, hey, what am I supposed to do? And what am I supposed to do? The singers, what are they going to do? And all of a sudden the guitarist puts his guitar down, the singers put the mic, they put their mics down. No one knows what to do because the presence of God is moving in that room. In that moment, every word, everything that I'd so meticulously prepared and I felt so brilliantly delivered, instantly drops out of view, just like Moses and Aaron. The high priests, where are they? They're on the ground. What center stage is the presence of God, the glory of God coming? The congregation is awestruck by something other than a prepared service. How would I feel about that as a pastor? If my pulpit ministry was so suddenly upstaged by God's visitation with people crying out, falling to the ground, would I issue a complaint? Would I say to the elders of the church, hey, wait a second, wait a second, this is foolishness. You got to stop this stuff. Would I say that? You know, Moses and Aaron, you don't hear about them after this. They don't have any words to say. They joined the congregation in that moment of fear and trembling and worshiping before a God that they could not imagine would do something like that. Behind this highly respected ministry, on the altar that was so planned and the sacrifices of service were so traditional and so expected, now that tradition and everything about it all that you're accustomed to, all of a sudden, it doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't have any power, because only God himself has the power to create worshipers. When the Holy Spirit moves on people's hearts, on their lives, like Jonathan Edwards was seeing At that point, 1741, he was seeing that take place, but he didn't recognize it. When that happens, people fall down and they worship their God. Now, I'm not saying that this is something we have to always look for to have a good service. We can't say we want God, you just to bring your presence like this every time. Because guess what? God doesn't do that. Whatever reason he has, whatever thought he has. This has only happened several times over a course of history. But I wanna tell you a quick story about George Whitfield because George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards were friends. George Whitfield comes from England seven times. He, hold out, he holds outdoor meetings. And in those meetings, thousands and thousands of people come. He gets up onto the platform and there is a moment when he begins to speak and he's a powerful speaker. He doesn't use written out sermons. He uses his outline notes and he just goes freely with it. He begins to preach. And the people that were there at that time, there are written explanations and stories about how it affected them. And they began to cry and yell and scream and they would stand up. Women would faint. Some of the people, some of the men would just burst into tears and fall to the ground. Nathan Cole was a farmer. He writes the story about what happened. George Whitfield does not get down and say, hey, you guys, stop doing that. Because he knew that it was the power of God that made the difference, that he was just a vessel and that he was just doing what he was being told to do and God was doing the rest. The story of Leviticus 9 is a story about God interacting with people that he has called his own, Israel. But he also calls us, He calls anyone who believes in Jesus' name, the Messiah of all people. His desire is to flow out of that holy place and interact with people and cause them to have experience of emotion and interaction. And he wants you and I to recognize it as him moving in our midst because... He is the God of the universe and he wants all of us to worship him in the power and in his presence and in the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants for all people.